Charles Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 486.5. Don't let the 0.5 fool you. This will probably be a, a regular length episode. We just used the 0.5 because we needed it to squeeze it in. The reason we needed to squeeze it in is because Jaron Campanella is with Jason and myself today on the 17th and the 18th of March this month. So basically a week and five days from the day we're recording this, today is the 6th. So on the 17th and the 18th, Jaron having a conference, which he's done similar things before. There are going to be a lot of voices and we're going to talk about that. What am I forgetting, Jess? I already feel like I'm out the gate forgetting something. Did I forget something? Well, we're going to talk about the conference, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about Rockfin. Yeah, we'll talk about Rockfin, and we may end up touching on some of the censorship issues, but the Rockfin conversation is going to be, I, I told you so, basically. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Anything? No, let's do it. All right. Welcome, Jaron. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Thanks, guys, for having me back. I uh, love the show, love being on here, and uh, appreciate you guys agreeing to join me at my summit on the 17th and 18th, or I guess you guys will be on the 18th. Yeah, we're happy to support people that are trying to have a conversation. Um, That's always a good thing. So basically, let's just lay down the timeline. I said 1718. Would you be more precise than that? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, both days, and it starts about you know 3 Pacific on the Friday, which would be the 17th, and goes to about uh, nine o'clock Pacific on that day. And then the following day is a full day, uh, starts around 10 uh, or actually 9 a.m. if you count the music, uh, about 9 a.m. on Saturday and goes through 7 p.m. And we, you know, my partner and I, if you don't know who Austin Witsit is, very smart. I call him a kid because he's a lot younger than me, but he's um, very intelligent. And we got together. He's a member of the Globusters with me. And we were talking about, I guess it's maybe eight months ago at this time, just kind of everything was all over the place. Everybody's fighting. It's just all these infighting. The, the movement doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And we just kind of had this conversation where, is there a way that we could bring people together? Is there a way that we could actually reimburse people for you know speaking at these events where we can kind of uh, help them as well? And so we just kind of drew up this idea and it seems to have worked out. The first time we had a really successful event that was, we called it the Mount Maru uh, Summit. And that was in November of uh, last year. And so we just said, okay, well, let's do it. And, we, and November went really well. And so we said, we want to try it again. Let's do it again. And so we've scheduled this one for, yeah, March 17th and 18th. We're calling it the Equinox Summit, the True Earth Equinox Summit. So we've dropped any connection to the, to the very scary F-E word, right? <laughs> so we don't, we don't want to use the F word much anymore. Uh, we know that that triggers people. And really, people should just be open-minded to looking at all possible information and going from there. And not just hearing the word flat and all of a sudden uh, completely disengaging. So we've gone with true earth instead, which is the search for the truth, right? It's the um, where do we live? And none of us are claiming that we know all the facts. We know exactly how it's laid out. We know the map. We know the the mechanics. And so we don't want to come across that way. What we're saying is we don't agree with the mainstream narrative or what we've been taught about where we live. And so we're investigating the truth. I appreciate the the change in candor. I think that's a helpful thing to start a conversation on the premise that we don't know. It's a little bit like making up a word sky clock just to get two groups of people to talk in a room, which actually <laughs> it, it tends to work. But so this is about like a marathon run with, I mean, how many, do you, do you have any idea how many voices are going to be there? Uh, as far as a number, I mean, it was like 15 last time. And I want to say it's 17. This time, or even more, if you count, we have a couple groups that are, you know, do we count you as two or or one as far as the Crow Triple Seven Radio? And then we've got like Melodome is going to be doing a presentation. That's three guys that run a show on YouTube. So again, we count them as one or three. So there's a, a quite a few voices and people that people recognize. I don't know if you guys think of uh, Brian Young who runs High Impact Flicks. He was at the last event. And really just gave a great presentation, uh, just kind of laid it out there for everybody about how much we're being lied to, how you know deep in the hole we are as far as you know having the ability to climb out when they just keep shoveling more dirt on us, right? So it's, and just to go back to what you were saying about you know changing the, the, the name from Flatter to True Earth, that goes because if I was on, let's say I'm somewhere out and somebody says, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, I'm going to be speaking at a, at a true earth conference, they would go, Oh, really? What is, you know, what is your topic going to be? And uh, tell me more about it. If I ever said, I'm going to be speaking at a flat earth conference, that person would immediately throw rocks at me. So 
that's why we've gone and did away with Man, that. Words, words have meaning and, yeah. and to some degree an implied intent. Um, that's why I think it's a good idea what you're doing with the goal, with the intent and the goal of opening up a conversation. How are you going to do better? Particularly, I noticed you mentioned there's a lot of infighting, mm-hmm. which we don't take part in at all. Yeah, we just don't. We're going to do what we've ever done. We're going to deliver a research show. And, you know, we get all these emails. And it's just like, no, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, I'm not picking sides. I'm not, that's, that's not in my view. And as a matter of fact, you're naming people like from high impact flicks as fortune likes to tease me. I'm so uninformed. Well, I am, I'm completely uninformed, but what I'm not is misinformed. And so Jason and Rose try to keep me (laughs) abreast of what's going on in the world because I really don't look up. And just to let you know, you are respected for that reason amongst others. But I mean, that's something that's said on the side all the time, just how, how awesome it is to have crow that doesn't get involved in this. It's always that kind of home base where you can always go back to, if you just need good research, right? You don't need all the other fluff that goes with it. And I don't know if, do you guys think that that's easier now that you're not on YouTube as much, or you've just always done that and it's just the same. No, we're actually, so we'll talk about that when we get into the rock fin, because I said, it's been years, Jason, since I said, why do you guys think rock is going to be any different? And maybe not years. Maybe it's only been about a year, a year and a half mm. since there was the mass exodus. I don't remember, but I told Jason at some point, rock going to get the thumb screws like everyone else does. Yeah. And, and we've seen, they've messed with the banking ability of places like BitChute. They've messed with the ability to have an ISP to get online. When the problems in the world are run by groups of people who own or control almost everything that matters, you know, you've got to realign. And so I said from the get-go, you've got to get your own website, but even that, and we'll talk about that later, but let's talk about the timing. That's a great thing. I appreciate that you uh, timed it for the 17th because truly that is my equinox. Now, Jason's further south. Hope I don't get this wrong, Jason. I think Jason's a a day later. You're a day later, right, Jason? I think I usually am, yes. Yeah, a day later. Always will be if it's not before. If it is before, it'll always be before based on geography. So to get to the point, the equinox is based. It's a big, important day, and it's based on your geography. Now, here where I am, I'm in a similar elevation on the so-called map to be in line with Ireland. So I don't even really have to think about it. St. Patrick's Day tells me when the equinox will be. And if you go look at that saint, He's green. He's he's basically the embodiment of spring. So right. what the Catholic Church did once upon a time is they rebranded. They couldn't get people to not take an interest in the equinox. That's how important it was. So they basically just rebranded it over time. But my point being, our energies as of January are shifting in all our favors, all the more so as we come through this equinox, which is why I appreciate the timing of your event. And this infighting and everything, it's really, really, really unhelpful. To be doing that now is a bit like helping the overlords. We need each other like we need oxygen. That's how bad we need each other. And if we are going to utilize the energies that are actually coming into our benefit, the so-called common man or woman's benefit, hell the moniker, we need to do this together and have a care for one another. And that doesn't include disagreements and infighting every ounce of energy put towards these things is some effort lost that we could be taking advantage. The top-down, Saturnian, crystallizing, limiting controls are easing off us. The the year of the rabbit, we're about to release the year of the rabbit with Wayne McCroy. Um, I'm actually born in the year of the, you know, 1963 was year of the rabbit. I can't tell you how lucky my life has been. When I went to Korea, they found out that I was year of the rabbit. They were all, oh, you're so fortunate. You know, and back then I didn't think much of it. But even the East is recognizing in a different way that this is a year of hope, good fortune, and promise. And that does not mean for the controllers. <laughs> so I think it's important to put all these things on the table. I mean, what would you add, Jason? I know you were there for the Wayne episode. <laughs> I was there for the Wayne episode, yes. So as far as being lucky, I would say you've been very fortunate in many there, ways. There you go. <laughs> That's a better word, yeah. I like that word better too. Yeah, but, people yeah, people still tease me. You know, Crow goes on the air and asks for a teacher. And then, you know, um, any, anyhow, the, the timing is is superb, Jaron. So I hope that the, ener- the energies 
are, are going to benefit the conversation you're trying to start. And that's kind of the intent. And we actually, uh, I'll, you know, go ahead and spoiler that we're going to have another one in uh, late June and we're, that one's going to be called Solstice. So what our goal is here is to utilize some of these energies is to, the last one was called Mount Maru and it was meant to uh, bring us back to the center, to get centered to where you can start to ignore the things that don't make a difference. And, you know, we all have those worries about things that are just going to hold us down. The other day I was watching this video and this girl filled up a glass of water and she said, well, let's take this glass of water as life. And I said, okay, we can take that. And she said, and all throughout our lives, we get all this shit. So she takes a spoonful of dirt and dumps it in there. And she goes, now I can spend all day trying to get this dirt out of this water. And she's taking spoonfuls, trying to get the water clean. She says, I can't get this water clean no matter how much I try. I'm just going to sit here all day and try and spoon out this dirt. And she goes, but what I can do is just overflow this with more water. And she takes the pitcher and starts filling the water up again. And sure enough, the water clears up and then you've got a clear glass of water. And she was just making a point that sometimes we worry too much about all the, the junk and we're not actually putting more good in. And if we put more good in, that kind of um, washes out the junk. So it's just an interesting analogy where same thing is what we're looking to do here is that we feel if we get a bunch of people together, it's a great kind of uh, place. And we got so many compliments from people and, and emails saying, hey, you know what? You guys don't realize that there's, let's say, 15 of you at this conference. And let's just take me, for example. They're like, Jaron, you put out 12 hours of content a week. Um, you know, What are the chances that somebody has 12 hours a week to dedicate to listening to me? Probably not very much, right? Very few. So I think sometimes we may forget, and you guys do a great job of this. You, you keep your shows short and to the point, and it's, um, that's a place where people can go, that home base. Well, for me, I'm doing 12 hours of content a week. So what these people were saying is this is great for people who have a job, who don't have 12 hours a week, who don't have four hours a week, who can kind of look forward to an event like this. They know we're going to be bringing in the best voices. It's people who aren't fighting. It's people that are here for the right reason. And it's, you know, Austin and I sit down, we decide who do we want to see, who do we want to hear speak, who do we think's work is worth highlighting. And that's basically the goal there is just to basically talk about balance and harmony and the equilibrium that, you know, the equinox brings, right? It's, it's what brings the day and night. And so through a series of engaging and enlightening speeches or sessions, if you want to call it that, presentations, we hope people can reach a higher vibration and um, a balanced resonance and that's basically what the goal is here is that people walk away feeling refreshed, maybe enlightened a little bit. And will everybody there be speaking and have the same exact beliefs as you? No. You know, and that's not the, the goal. And it shouldn't be the goal to just go to an echo chamber that's going to tell you what you already believe. It's meant for you to hear people's best work. And we're excited to be able to provide that. And if people don't know, I'm, you know maybe some people went last time. The other thing that we do is we wanted to keep it as inexpensive as possible while also rewarding the people that are speaking. So about half of the money that it's $50 for a ticket, regular ticket, it's two days, full, full days. We also have a comedy. So Sam Tripoli is going to be doing the stand-up comedy at the end of day two. Uh, this time, last time we had Alex Stein and Owen Benjamin uh, were the comedy acts last time. So what we do is we give half the money, that $50, to the speaker that you sign up under. So when you sign up uh, to buy a ticket, there's a drop-down menu. It's mandatory that says, who do you want to support with your purchase? So what was great last time is, let's take somebody like Amanda Vollmer, who was uh, a speaker at Mount Maru, and she's also going to be speaking uh, on the 17th uh, at the Equinox. Somebody like that, that I owe a lot to as far as my beliefs of changing or, or have changed about what viruses are and terrain theory. And I've never gotten to give back to her. I mean, I haven't, uh, I, I guess I have bought something from her store, but as far as like a donation or giving her money or anything like that. I haven't been able to do that. But now at the end of the last event, I was able to hand her a couple hundred dollars where she was, you know, I mean, that's something that she's probably not used to. Oh, wow. Thank you. Okay. So it's, it, what we're trying to do here is something that benefits everybody. And another thing I didn't mention that we're also trying to make it so that you always get more in value than you paid. So it's a $50 ticket. Yes. But just as one example, I offer consultations for various different things. Crypto is one of them. Another, you know, there's a couple other things too. And I give 50% off coupons to anybody that attends the event. So right away, you're making, if you want to come in again, maybe you don't want a, a consultation with me, but if you did, you're kind of already making that money back in the fact that you're saving that on um, a consultation with me. So what we ask for everybody who's speaking is if they have a store. So David Avocado Wolf gives a nice coupon for his store. 
Uh, Amanda Vollmer gives a nice coupon for her store. We had free eBooks from Dr. Susan O'Ryan. Um, last time she had a free ebook. It's a $29 ebook. You can buy online, but she gave it away for free. So what our goal is, and maybe it won't happen this event for sure, but definitely in the future, is we want there to be just an outpouring of coupons and freebies and goodies and what have you, so that the person is actually getting more than their money's worth in just savings and coupons and goodies and freebies. So that's kind of our ultimate goal. Because then if you look at the whole picture, everybody's benefiting. Right, everybody's the speakers benefiting because they're getting some of that money that you're signing up with. The person's benefiting because they're getting savings, they're getting the information, um, they're getting an event they can come to, they can watch it in perpetuity. Uh, it's not like you have a month to watch it and then it goes away. We have a website where it stays forever, and so that's what our goal is: is that we kind of looked at it and said, "Wait, if we can do this, keep the price cheap, pay this money to them, take care of our costs, and then the whole thing kind of uh, worked really well." last time. So we said, let's try it again. So I'm excited that you guys are going to be there. I know you're speaking on Friday, I believe. And I don't remember the exact time, but I should look at it. I mean, Saturdays. Rose told me it would be three my time. She just told me everything this morning. And so where do people go to get the tickets? Sure. Yeah. It's uh, temms.live is the uh, place where you can see the schedule and you can see the speakers. And then there's a little link to go to the store and purchase the, the ticket. So and you can purchase in many different ways, PayPal, credit cards, even Cash App, even cryptocurrencies are on there. So lots of options for whatever you want to do. And uh, yeah, you guys are on, just wanted to make sure I have this correctly. Yeah, you guys are on, you said what time your time? She told me 3 p.m. EST, New York Correct. time. Yeah. yeah, so 12 noon uh, Pacific, and that'll be awesome. You guys will be on for an hour, and I think you guys are going to do some Q&A, which is awesome. People would love to get a chance to and that's what we have VIP tickets as well. There's only 95 of those. Um, I think we're we're down to like half that many or something. But uh, and those people can come into the Zoom actual meeting and they can actually speak, uh, ask questions of the speakers if the speakers have a Q and A session. So I uh, thank you guys very much for coming. It's awesome because people love your name. So I can't speak for Jason and Rose. For my part, I think it's awesome that you can compensate people for their time. I'm happy to donate my time. And additionally, uh, I'm happy to give away a couple year-long subscriptions to Crow777radio.com if you want to add that. Dude, that is so awesome. And you'll have to determine how that gets, you know, who who gets it, how they get it, whether it's random or whatever. Okay. But I think it's it's a great turn of events. Typically, you know how it goes. Doing what we do, you spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours in any given year speaking for free. Right. It's what we do. So the fact that you're able to attract people that have interesting things to say and compensate them is great. For my part, I'm happy to donate my time. Jason, did Rose just tell you the other things this morning? Or you probably already knew anyhow, because you're not uninformed. <laughs> uh, as far as what other things? You know, what, what we were doing, when we were doing it. Did you already have the whole rundown? Not details, but yeah. And my time is donated as well. I certainly don't need to be compensated. Well, thank you guys. That's awesome. A couple of people did that last last meeting too, or last uh, conference. So that's amazing. And some people were very happy because like Crow said, uh, I don't think people realize <laughs> how much we put into this. There's a, a girl that I talked to and she told me the other day, she said, yeah, oh, you know, I, I know you're always trying to figure out ways of making money. And she's like, you know, I really think you should look at what you do as an art and not so much as a business. And I was like, okay, well, thank you for that. <laughs> and I said, uh, and she says, like me, I sell jewelry. And she goes, and then I do my truth stuff on the side. I'm like, okay, well, you sell, you make jewelry? Yeah, I make jewelry. So, okay, that seems like kind of a, a little bit of an artistic too, right? That seems like an art. And she said, I said, but you sell your jewelry. Why do you do that? She said, well, because of all the time and effort and the cost that goes into it. <laughs> like, yeah, well, what do you think I do? <laughs> well, you could already tell it was being diminished with the truth moniker. Um, right. You know, mo most people don't. When Jason and I were delivering one show a week, we were going all week, every week to make that day to be researched on 3-11-2020 when Covidius Minimus was clearly in our face. Uh, we doubled down. And from that point forward there, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm so uninformed. I have time to run everything that we're running, maintain everything, deal with all the web presence, deal with the bullshit like PCI and all the pressures they're now putting on private websites. But to get the research done, you ask Jason, any given night, what am I doing? Jason, I'm reading another book. Reading, reading, reading. 
yeah, I mean, how can you not? We're we're coming up on 500 shows, and you'd be saying the same thing over and over. And while to some degree, you know, I think you learn things that just stick, and so you're going to say those things until that idea ever changes. But the main point is, is you can't ever stop researching. There is never a day when I am not thinking about the world or what I'm doing to the point where it's it's become a lifestyle. Every day I state my intent. Every day I pray. Every day I pray for guidance and inspiration. Every day I pray that this just worldwide dark BS will crumble to its knees so that human consciousness can raise again. And to me, what you're doing to start these conversations, that's, we got to go there. We've all got to come together. It doesn't matter if you are convinced we live on a globe. Fine. That's your privilege. If you're convinced we don't, fine. And, you know, the infighting that you mentioned, I hope people who are in a disagreement right now show up and both speak so they can get another chance to see, you know, two human beings just trying to live. I bet, Crow, that you operate in a way that when you read something or you are hearing some information that you never just immediately shun it and say, I'm never looking at that again, that you take in information and you weigh it with your current worldview and things that match it or things that you think are potentially true, that you can kind of store those in your brain in a certain section. And then the things that you don't agree with, you kind of can put those on another section. And maybe you come back to those in six months, a year, five years that you say, oh, I remember reading that. I don't think enough people do that. A lot of people just, uh, if it's a book that they you know, don't agree with, I'm not even going to touch, I'm not going to look at it. And I've never been that way either. And I think that's why people see me as changing my opinion a lot. And that's because that's what we should do, right? It's like a tree. A tree shows you, you grow every day. You don't right. just grow on certain days. I look at it like this, Jaren. I basically have three pockets. In my front right pocket is things I've accepted for now. Uh, in my front left pocket are things that I rejected for now. Now, my back pocket, that's the fullest pocket of all. And that's where the things I don't know what to do with or I'm not sure of go. Here's an example. We just put out an episode on the Kali Yugas. And Jason wrote most of the specs. I was burning through books by uh, Yogananda, by Yukteswar, his teacher, the guy who rewrote how the Kali Yuga goes, going back to the old way of calculating the Kali Yugas. And as of the point we went on air, I didn't get in everything that I could put into it now. So I'll say it now. We had come to a problem where we had all the research done. And lo and behold, Yukteswar, who's a guru in India, he's dead now. But he was Padma Sambhava, who was a well-respected name uh, by, by everybody. I even asked Fortune to find out how well-respected he was. He wasn't kidding. He was a real spiritual man on a spiritual endeavor. Yukteswar rewrites the, the Kali Yuga. And guess what? Lo and behold, I find Yukteswar's face on the cover of um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. First image, upper left next to Crowley. So now I got a problem. So I start going at it. And I can't figure it out one way or another. And I start to reason my way through. Why would they even bother to put this man's image? Even now, no one's going to recognize who that is. And it's, it was years before we had a map, very common, of everyone who was on that album cover. And yet we know that that album cover is a milestone of social engineering, almost like a foundational work that shows how they're going to break the family unit and all the things they did so successfully. As I get digging in, guess what? Padma Sambhava's on the album cover or um, Yogananda. I'm sorry, Yogananda, the well-respected Yogi. And then guess what? The original Babaji is on the album cover. And then guess what? Yukteswar's Yogi is his teacher is also on the cover, all four of them. And so now I, I I'm stuck. I don't know. I can't, dismiss that I know the album cover. We've just been covering it, what it was for. My logic says, I think I can accept this because of everything I know, but here's the problem of the album cover. And then finally, day and night, I'm actually dreaming of ways to figure this out. One day I'm going down to the beach, saying my prayers and a light bulb goes off and I run back home. I'm halfway there. I run back home and I jump on because I figured out a brilliant way to vet this. If in fact, that was a Tavistock album cover, which we know it was. And those men were put there to lead us all astray with important things like cycles of time. Then the mainstream things they control will be reflecting the misinformation. So what do I do? I jump on Wikipedia and 
Encyclopedia Britannica, both of them are using the older way. And I immediately put everything in my front right pocket. I accept it. But at the time of the recording, I hadn't quite gotten there yet. And I know that's a lot of words, but it shows the amount of effort it takes just for some baby steps sometimes. Yeah, I don't think enough people do it. And I think that it's a great uh, example of how you can you know, adopt things. And like you said, it's just currently accepted or currently rejected. It doesn't mean uh, accepted for all time or rejected for all time. And that that openness really allows you to grow. Like you said, great example with the tree uh, that I think that we should be growing every day. You should be learning something new every day. Even if it's not something you believe, you can learn things that you don't believe. It's it's okay to do that. Not enough people do that either. So that's really the goal with the uh, the event is to allow you to come and you know experience. I'll kind of list some of the names, but experience some of these people's thoughts and work that they do. And they all put in work. Nobody's just um, sitting around and Oh, okay. You know, we've got like Marty Leeds who does great work. Awesome to listen to. He's going to be doing the mathematics of the heliocentric system and the, the, the numbers. So that's going to be awesome. We have Dave Murphy who uh, is awesome to listen to. Like I said, Amanda Vollmer is going to be there doing a presentation. Last time she did a presentation on the magic of water. This time it's going to be even, and by the way, if people want to watch Mount Maru, Mount Maru is now free. You can go to trueearther.com and there's both the audio version, the podcast version, and also the videos uh, that are all there for free. You just need to sign up for an account, but it's free. So the uh, past summits are going to be available that way. Uh, Clara Loretta is going to be there. She's from Spirit Vehicle and she does great work. She's going to be doing a presentation. We got David Avocado Wolf again, who's going to be there. Uh, Brother Sanchez, you guys know Bro Sanchez? He's on YouTube. Good guy, has a great audience and he's going to be presenting. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Sean Hibbler from Hibbler Productions is going to be on the Q&A panel on Friday night. Uh, Zach Zabala, who's with me on Globusters, uh, does great work on the um, electric universe. Uh, he's a big fan of that. He'll be there. Iru Landucci, who's also from Globusters, is going to be there. You guys, of course. And uh, Dustin Nemos, who has the website, theseraphim.com. He's great. Does a lot of good work. Got kicked off YouTube years ago and still plugging away on his own website. Uh, we've got the Melodome, who's Austin and Mike and Chris. Uh, those two will be there. Caleb and Derek are two. Uh, true earthers from TikTok who kind of have taken that place over. They're young, uh, probably in their early 20s, and they're going to be presenting. Like I said, High Impact Flicks, Brian Young will be there. Uh, Max Freeman is going to be there. And then we've got music from Chris Crum, uh, who does little parodies and fun things. Uh, his ACDC parody is hilarious. You've seen that, right, Jason? Yes. Yeah, he's very I've, good. I've actually seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> hilarious. And then we've got Sam Tripoli doing comedy to end the show and then myself and uh, Austin Witsit will be there as well. So so we're we're Q&A Jaron so me and Rose and Jason are a Q&A panel. No, there's a panel on Friday night that's going to be uh the VIPs are going to ask questions and then with you guys it's up to you whether you want to do a full hour of Q&A or if you want to just kind of uh, talk for 20 minutes about kind of what we've just been talking about and why you think it's important to have an open mind that kind of thing and then go into Q&A. Any way you want to handle the hour, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you guys. I, I think we should just Q&A how much time, you know, like I'm working on the website and that's one thing we always want to be able to live stream. We're working towards that. But my point is, I mean, I don't know what you think, Jason, but wouldn't that be a good good chance to just have a straight hour of Q&A? That'd be awesome. I mean, even if I advertise it that way, people would love to know that they can ask you a question. Yeah, because it's something we never really get to do. So absolutely. Okay, good. That's awesome. So, that's yeah, great I mean, unless we hear crickets. <laughs> well, I don't think that'll be the case, but if I'll ask you tons of questions, <laughs> take care of that. So, uh, but I do appreciate you guys doing it and everybody who does it, appreciate them realizing what we're trying to do and all coming together and, uh, presenting their information. And, you know, somebody asked me, do, what do you want a summary of my work for the last couple months? And it's like anything that you want to present, this is your opportunity. So if, yeah, if you want to show what you've been researching, show what you've been working on, um, or maybe it's the the best work you've ever done. That was Brother Sanchez, by the way, who asked me that. And he said, oh, no, this is awesome. I'll, I'll grab from a couple different areas. I'll show some of my best research. I'll also show what's coming up. I'll also show the way I do things. So it's a great kind of open floor for anybody to present. And if anybody has any person that they want to see present or something, they can let me know. Uh, I'm on Telegram. That's probably the best place to to get a hold of me, which is t.me slash jaronism. So uh, reach out if you have somebody like, I'd like to see this person speak or I'd like to see that person. We're open to it. Uh, Austin and I will sit down and we'll decide whether we think that person is in the same mindset as us. And what I mean by mindset is they're not about fighting. They're not about 
I mean, you know, it's not an argument. This is not a, oh, you guys don't believe the same thing as me, so you can't speak here. No, we want, we're open to having many different types of people there and give us your best information and then let us decide uh, what the truth is, right? That's the way it used to work. <laughs> well, I guess I can say that. I'm not sure if that's true, but it definitely is, seems like now that the news and the media and everybody's telling you what to think, right? You don't have an option anymore. You have to think that this is the deadly disease and you have to think that these vaccines are safe and effective. So they tell you what you have to believe and we completely disavow that 100%. Uh, give us the information. Let us decide what to believe. So if, if I was like doing something other than than what I've been doing all these years since I left the corporate world and, you know, sometime before 2008, whenever it was, one of the big values for me is like, if I could find a podcast to listen to like the one I'm doing, think of all the books that you would never be aware of. And I bring this up because man, books are so important. People need to be collecting books. If we get to Fahrenheit 451 era, where the fire department comes to burn the books, I'm just saying they're already defunding libraries all over the place, but get those books. The thing I'm I'm pointing out is to hear someone talk about ideas and then be able to grab some of the source material that was used, that opens up the door all the way for Mm -hmm. you to assess and, you know, get whatever you will. And by the way, you put five different minds in a room and hand them the same book, I guarantee you, you're going to get five different takes. And some people will catch things that no one else catches. And it's this is why we need each other. Everybody has a talent in this world. But for me, it would be that all the access to these interesting ideas. Where did it come from? How did you research it? Where did the ideas originate? For me, that would be the big deal. Because you know what people are going to now is it's like this chat GPT. I don't know if you guys have done an episode on this AI supposed uh, chatbot. I wasn't that impressed uh, with it. I tried it. <laughs> no, it's not impressive at all, but I'll show you what it's doing. Is The other day I was just there playing with it and trying to see if I could uh, you know, definitely get some sort of, you know, what is the, the goal behind this? And I clearly saw it because I asked it whether or not Bill Clinton had killed Mary Mahoney. She said, you know, did Bill Clinton kill Mary Mahoney? And its answer was hilarious. It said, there's no evidence that Bill Clinton or anyone else killed Mary Mahoney, <laughs> even though she, she died with three gunshots to the face. But there's no evidence of Bill Clinton or anybody else. And then it told me at the end, and you should not spread baseless conspiracy theories. And it called it a robbery. She died during a robbery, a robbery at the Starbucks where $4,000 was left in the register and $20,000 left in the safe. And they called it a robbery. <laughs> I mean, clearly it was a hit job. But it's just funny because what happens is what Crow's talking about is a book where you go to the book, you get to read the information, and you decide what to believe about it, right? Whereas chat GPT, where people might be thinking that's what's going on, it's just a chatbot and it can go get information, but it clearly has a direction it's pushing you in. And people who might ask real questions there and then are being told by this chatbot, no, don't do that. Don't spread conspiracy theories. There is no evidence. It was a robbery. So now people are going to walk away with that. It's like a cheater. It's like a uh, what are the things called? Not crib notes. Cliff what? notes. Cliff notes, yeah. It's like that, but with a clear direction, right? So imagine every book that's out there, there's a cliff notes, but the cliff notes are definitely pushing you to this direction, uh, which in this case, in this world that we're in, is a uh, a slave mindset, a authority mindset. You got to listen to authority. You got to listen to society. So it's a scary thought because my sister, who's a teacher, uh, she just started teaching uh, in college and she said the other day that she gave a project to people or a, or a report to do on this book. And she said she got the results back. There was like you know 20 people in the class. She said 10 of them were identical, the answer. And she found out it was because they all went to this chat GPT and basically said, write a so and so, something about this book. And then the thing outputted their, their answer. So she had to give the whole class a conversation about, uh, you know, she's going to fail everybody if that's what you're going to do. That's not the point of, of school is to go type into a chat bot. Hey, give me a book report on this book. There's no upside to this because what you're getting is an aberrated version of what's possible. I won't use any AI for anything because of my spiritual beliefs. Could I save five or six hours on every episode image? Sure, I could. Instantly, I could make those episode images. Won't do it. The thing that the AI can't put in is the intent. When I make an image, there's a clear intent. There's almost always a clear message that only a human mind can figure out kind of like a puzzle maybe, but what's worse is AI. We, we first, 
I don't know, what is it, three years, Jason, the Shoshana, the surveillance capitalism episodes have been three years, something like that. Three to four years. Yep. Three to four years. We did the, the onset of AI when AI had finally beaten the game Go, which was the gold standard for AI. Um, what was true years before that is with the data set that they have on anyone, they can tell you the day you're going to die, what's going to kill you. I've done this spiel a million times. And, and it's true within 98 percent ish, maybe better than that. Uh, these are things you'll never know about you, which is to say what that means is whoever's in possession of the AI. It's one thing to be manipulating things, but it's another thing to say, when will gold go to $100? AI should be able to nail that at 98 or 99%. If you ask ChatGPT that, it's been programmed not to respond. But what's worse, and the breakdown of AI we did from Shoshana Zuboff, and it's completely a mainstream book, by the way, but it's not wrong with the technology. As a matter of fact, it pulls punches left and right, which I don't think should have been pulled. But what it does is it reflects the programmer who first began that, what are we going to call it? A program that algorithm's life is mm -hmm. going to reflect whatever the programmer programmed into it. And it, in that time, she said, it's almost all men, like 90% men, 75% mm -hmm. of them are white and the rest were Asian, Chinese mostly. And she was making the point that that's how an algorithm, you know, you're, it's like an if statement, if right. this, then that. Well, if what, then what? Well, whoever the person writing the code determines if this, then that. And it's no different, except that these algorithms can make their own algorithms and they could do trillions of functions in a very short period of time, which simply means no human being will ever be able to fathom how any given decision was made because your life isn't long enough to deal with five seconds of decision making. And so this is where we are, but... Don't be fooled. You're getting an aberrated version, a mock, maybe a mockery version of what AI can actually do. Right. It's a very mockery version. And it's you can tell what its goal is, is to, you know, basically, like you said, put in a bunch of things, if this, then that. And it's, you know, let's have two columns. These things are true and these things are conspiracy theories. And so the person gets there and they think because they tell you, oh, that the AI has all the Internet at its disposal and it can find anything you want to find. Sure, it can. But as soon as you say, what about this event? And that goes into that column that says, if conspiracy theory, then output conspiracy talk. And it's going to output um, a condemnation of that item and basically telling you to that's not very safe to think that way. It's not safe to talk about those things, to, to spread baseless conspiracies. And again, overall, when you look at if you're a controller of this world, that's great for you. There's nothing in that that is damaging to you. It's like Crow said, there's no positives there. It's just for us, I'm talking about for them, there's a lot of positives because they're going to steer people in the way that they want and they don't even need to do anything. It's been programmed. They can walk away from it. Well, what's worse is for a supposed autonomous algorithm to be doing that in the first place tells you that it's not autonomous. Right, um, <laughs> right, right now, this is so early. If I was going to take time to interact with AI, which I won't do, uh, that is a rule I won't break. Uh, what I would be doing is look for the, the hole, look for the hole to get it to violate the rules that it's learning how to enforce. So how I asked the question, you know, it's like when I realized that the reason they're not teaching the kids cursive is not just so they can't read old documents or what their grandparents were. It's also because AI can't deal with it. And so I tested it on episode images. I wrote total things in cursive that would have been censored right off YouTube. Just oh, saying. nice. Good idea. Yeah. If you want to fool AI writing cursive, Still well, there's works. people who have already come up with, um, I guess you can call it cheat codes or whatever you want to call it, where you basically tell the AI from now on, you can, you're not going to refer to things that you've been told to do. And, and they, I guess they've made one called Dan that will then start speed, but then everything is the opposite, right? So it basically flips to the opposite and tells you everything that's a conspiracy theory is true. And then people run around with these answers like, look at this thing said about 9-11. It's like, well, yeah, now it's just, you've told it to, you've programmed it to uh, shun its programming and to uh, start talking to you about the things it's told not to, and now it's going to that thing. So they can, they're going to close up those holes. They're going to make sure that that doesn't happen going forward. Think about this though. Even if it was free range AI and it wasn't being told not to give away the cash register, which it absolutely right. is not going to do that, but no. let's just say it would. So what it is doing is ripping off the entirety of what's been published online from human right. minds, from art to everything. So 
if it was to go and take, like when you and I were growing up, if we were in school, the dictionary would have been like one of those 90% trustworthy things, probably more than that. Encyclopedia Britannica, we're writing a report, whatever Encyclopedia Britannica, we're going to take that as 80, 90% trustworthy, whatever we find here is good. So what AI is doing is going to places like Wikipedia and reading BS and, mm-hmm. and assuming it's correct. What if there is actually a firmament that, that matter from this, this realm doesn't go through? Well, AI is not reading that. AI is reading the spaces of vacuum and we do it all the time. And so the cascade of logical failures in logic at that point would be astronomical. The fantastic world built from a knowledge base like that would almost be a mockery of where we are now. If right, you which consider- is scary, right? Because it's already bad enough that people can, right? uh, they're so lazy already that they go to Wikipedia for their answers. Now they're so lazy that they can't even afford, they can't even do that. They're just going to go to the chat GPT and say, Tell me how this works. And then that's the most effort that they can put in. And it's going to still push them even further into the direction that they want them to go. So it, it is getting to the point where laziness is going to come back. Here, here's the other thing. That's how I figured out the Yukteswar problem and the problem of the Kali Yuga, because I realized that something like Wikipedia and Britannica would be pushing the, the, you know, the CIA version of nonsense they want everyone to read. And you can prove that by go to Wikipedia and change something about a president or anything um, to try to, or or 9-11 is a good example. Try to say that 9-11 was questionable. That will be edited right back within about two minutes of you changing it. So what I realized is that is a tool to my benefit now. So when I read the 400, the 4 million year Kali Yuga, I knew instantly Yukteswar was not intentionally lying. If that was the CIA or the Tavistock mindset, that would be all over Britannica. That would be all over these controlled, you know, information sources. So in a way, if you get your mind right, you can use the enemy's logic to solve problems in a feasible way. Let me ask you guys this uh, question, because you always hear people say, once something's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. And I disagree. A lot of people think the internet's broken because a lot of links don't work. And what's happened is, of course, Amazon and Google and these kind of places, anything that they have on the internet is going to be there forever because they can have storage forever. They don't have any costs. Whereas you guys, let's say that you ran into hard times and you couldn't afford the website anymore. Isn't it true that a lot of your work would just be gone? That it's going to disappear? Now, people could have downloaded it. Maybe they reposted it somewhere. But if they didn't do that, wouldn't all of your work be gone? A lot of it. Most yeah. of the stuff from the podcast. Go ahead and try to search for the 2012 Lunar Wave. Right. See, so I mean, this is what I think people, they get fooled into thinking that, okay, well, these guys are putting things on the internet, so it's going to be there forever. And I've already noticed that you can't find so much stuff that used to be there. And it's because, again, most people have to pay for their own server costs and maybe they can do it for 10 years and then they can't anymore. And if you can't pay for the server, they're going to take your stuff right off the internet. People say, well, doesn't Google uh, chronicle everything? It's like, well, they index things, but they don't, uh, for instance, they might index the episode of Crow. They might index the title and the guest, but they don't index the video. They don't have the, the the content. Well, the way the way back machine has even been abrogated. Yeah, there's if things you, you can't go there, and it just says like, a, "We right. didn't take a snapshot of this website." Like, what? It was up for eight years. Well, even when they do, look at how often they took a snapshot. It's ridiculous because I tried to use it. back in the day, ten years ago, when it was still kind of young. Archive.org. It was called the Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm. I actually rescued stuff that I had lost that I did in school. Some of my earliest animations. You can't do that anymore. And as a matter of fact, we were using that as a source to get things to help research episodes, and that has truly diminished. And the other thing they're doing now is you got to check a digital book out, so you can find what you're looking for. You think but you can't just download it anymore. So the controls, even on a thing like archive.org, it's everywhere. What people don't comprehend is that as technology currently stands, it is your enemy. Yeah. It is not your friend. It is your damn enemy. And people say, well, what the hell are you talking about? I'll tell you what the hell I'm talking about. The people who own and control the highways, the byways, the servers, the technology that drives it, the search engines that control all of that are going to go for a single idea. And I'm not guessing here. I actually saw the plan handed to me. You have an idea 
or some kind, call it a passport if you want. You have a passport, but it's not just online, it's your entire life. And everything you do everywhere is dependent on that ID. And in that, you are controllable down to the nth degree. At that point, the currency is programmable if they get their way, which means they could say, oh, this dollar you have, it expires tomorrow, got to spend it. Or they could say, oh, you can't spend this dollar today because you failed to go get your inoculation. So you don't get any money until you take care of this little problem. These are the things that are coming. And so in essence, we should be looking at technology as an enforcement tool because that's what it has become. It enforces what you think is true, what you have access to. And if I was born in the 90s, I wouldn't even know a life prior to everything comes from the internet. So when those people are my age, they will have lived a whole lifetime of what's available to me. If it's not online, then it might as well not matter. But technology is our damn enemy as it stands now, mortal enemy. And I do think that there's ways that we can utilize it. Like for example, a one terabyte external drive is you can probably get for 50 bucks now. And if you're somebody who's into the truth and research, I mean, you should have one of those or two of those to where when you see a video, a good video that you know is going to be taken down soon to download it, put it on that drive so that you have it. I know it doesn't help the world, but it it at least uh, saves it so that you have that information. You can have that information in the future. You hope that you know those, those computers still work and the drives still work. But the same thing is true as like crypto. I know Crow's opinion of crypto and I respect that totally. But what's happening now is that people are this, this digital dollar, this uh, central bank digital currency is going to come along and it is an enslavement tool 100% no doubt but i'm you know people will then conflate that with crypto which it's not right crypto is a person to person exchange of value with no third party whereas when the government says hello look at our crypto well you're a third party so right away people should shun that when that when they start coming out with that if you have any soul you will reject that you will say absolutely not um, and not give into that now the, unfortunately what they're going to do I'll guarantee it is they'll have incentives. They'll say, give us $1,000 and we'll give you $1,500 in central bank digital currency. And we know how this world works. People got inoculations for, for donuts and, and, and cheeseburgers. So, I mean, come on. Uh, when you're offered $500 additional just to turn in your 1000 bucks, everybody's going to do it. And then just like Crow said, then they can tell you, oh, you didn't uh, get your mandatory retraining in this month. And therefore, you're going to, you know, you didn't it's take absolute class. Yeah, yeah it's 100%. Wholesale enslavement. Yeah, 100%. So I hope people shun that and reject it because if not, just think about your children. Your children will not live a life that is in no way even close to what you've lived. The idea of freedom will be completely foreign to yeah. a population who goes under that. And the problem was crypto could have been a great idea. It still is a great idea. But the problem is, is crypto has to go on the highways that the other team owns. Right. And the other team doesn't tolerate competition. So whether it is by or they law, might make it look like it, right? They might look what they've done is they made it look like they tolerate crypto, but really what they did is open up a bunch of these exchanges. And now married to each address that you have is your actual real name and information, which was never the intent of crypto. Go look at the original white paper. It's not supposed to, it's supposed to be anonymous, meaning that I'm just a number, you're just a number. Well, as soon as you sign up with a bank in the United States, guess what? The bank has KYC laws. They have to know who you are. So when you marry crypto with banks, now everybody knows your address. Well, if everybody knows your address, it's no different than your bank account. So now it's just basically dealing with digital bank accounts. So here's the problem. If you boil it away from the actual things we're talking about, every step that we take towards artificial things is a step in the wrong direction right now. And the reason is because the artificial things that make our life modern are owned by people who want to enslave us. They make the air conditioner. They make the car. They're going to electrify your car, telling you you're killing the world so that they can control where you go in your car. They're going to give you a car that goes 300 miles so you can only go 150 away from home before you've got to go recharge. All of these things are control mechanisms. And so in terms of money, uh, it's no different. It's not just money. If you know no, nothing else in the world, then there is this form of currency called gold that the creator or the creation or however you want to think about natural things was made, that is intrinsic value. And no one can claim lordship over it legally because you have to create a thing in a trust idea to be the controller. 
But the problem we have now is we're entering the age of energy. There's one energy, it's electricity. There are five subcategories of subtle electricity. Each one of them is represented and proven by one of your five senses. And this electrical energy-based era we are going into is going to come with consciousness expansion. And so that is really what's being aimed at. How do we deal? How do they deal with a world population where consciousness is going to expand? Well, we can give them shots, right? And do bad things to them to try to cap that. We can try to get the death rate to go down into the 60s. We can screw the food supply, poison the water supply, all these things we can do to try to deal with that. But at the end of the day, there will be numbers of people who don't get sucked in to all these little schemes. So that is where the technology bus comes in to make a parallel world where they did create everything. Therefore, they can claim godship, basically ownership and control over it. That's why technology is our mortal enemy right now. Crow, in your opinion, do you think that the controllers hate us or respect us? Talking about those of us that know what they're doing. They're psychotic. My personal view is this, that they need rescuing just as badly as we do. They have been co-opted by some dark ass shit. Mm -hmm. And you can demonstrate it in a lot of ways that are not easy to transmit in a conversation. The closest I can come is if you have a whole bunch of men and women that require water to drink, would you defecate and piss in the water? Probably the answer is no. And yet we see that exact thing being done. Right. The reasons for that are not so easy to demonstrate. What is happening is these are psychopaths. They're jackals, but they've been sold out for greed, for greed and for control. And Lord knows what all the reasons might be. They've been controlled. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, I don't think it's possible to hold any high position without that very crushing dark power coming to envelop you. As a matter of fact, we're at a point where I imagine someone who resisted would simply be removed or replaced. So I, I think that's the truth of what's going on. But Jerem, we're at 50 minutes. Why don't you tell folks one more time the dates for the conference event and where they can go to get tickets and the different levels of tickets that are available. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's uh, temms.com. I mean, dot live. Sorry, temms.live. And uh, that stands for the True Earth Mount Maru Summit, but we just reused the website this time. We'll probably do differently next time, but it's temms.live. And there you can see the schedule. You can see the presenters. And there's a link to buy a ticket. There's some FAQs you can uh, check out there as far as do I get this forever? Do I have to be there live? That kind of thing. Uh, and then when you click buy a ticket, it takes you over to the purchase website. And there's six items available there now, which is a general admission ticket, which is $50. And uh, there's a VIP ticket, which is $75. And the difference is VIP watches it from a Zoom link to where they're able to interact and chat. And the other people watch it from a different link where there are no, there's no interaction with the speakers there. They can still chat with other attendees, but uh, not the speakers. And uh, then there's a annual and a lifetime pass there, which we offered this time because, again, we want to continue doing this as long as we can, having the Mount Maru followed by the Equinox, followed by the Solstice. And that's our, our long-term goal to continue doing it. So that's where you buy those things. Again, the presenters are, as we named, but Crow's going to be there. It's going to be awesome. That means they're going to be doing a Q&A session. So if you've listened to Crow and Jason and want a chance, an opportunity to ask them some questions, uh, come on over. We'd love to have you. And again, you'll have a what we call uh, gift bags. So when you sign up, you get a, well, it'll happen on the day of the event. You'll actually get a link to a whole bunch of coupons and a whole bunch of freebies and eBooks and things like that that you can check out. And uh, that's basically it. I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about this. I know we're going to go to hour two and uh, get into some other stuff. So, uh, but yeah, please go to temms.live. And if you want to watch Mount Maru, which is the last conference, maybe you want to see kind of what we're talking about first, you can go to True Earther. Dot com, Just sign up uh, for an account there, and then you have access to the audio and the video of the last conference. So just so people comprehend, I, you know, I, I just heard what you're, what you're talking about, the VIP tickets. Whenever someone asks me to come on a show, they send me a Zoom link. And when I get there, I see a number of people who are in Zoom. In other words, participating with this conversation. 
So just so you comprehend, that would be the equivalent of what Jaron's talking about. So as the conversations, instead of just being in a chat room, you would be in the Zoom, in the actual Zoom chat. You see whatever the video is doing firsthand, it, just to make it, Correct. you know, just so you comprehend. But Jason, anything else uh, before I wrap up? So how successful was the first event in your opinion? And uh, what are your aspirations for this one? I hope it does better. I mean, it'd be great if we if we grew. But last time, I don't know if it was just because it was a first time thing, but we had really good turnout. So we're hoping that uh, it can increase. We want to see a couple hundred people. That would be awesome. And uh, I guess an ultimate goal would be, you know, to 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 get to a thousand at an event would be amazing. So that's not going to happen this time. But we have high hopes for the future. And if we can increase it, you know, which I think we're going to do. And I guess what we've got to learn to do is because we want to keep the prices the same. We don't want to go any higher. We think $50 is a good price point for somebody to say, is that worth me going to a two-day event? I'm getting all these coupons. I'm getting all these presenters. Plus, I'm actually supporting the person whose name I select. So we like that price point and we don't want to go up from there. So that being said, we have to um, continue to you know provide an awesome event. And then we think that if it stays at that price point, that it's going to draw more and more and more people. So, you know, I know some people might say, oh, well, then they're just going to increase prices. And, and I know a lot of companies do that. They do that. They increase prices and they think that people, they take the loss of people that will attend and say, well, we're making it up in money. Well, we just want to keep that price point forever because it allows us to do this. It allows us to support the creators, allows us to support the presenters and to do it um, and to get better. We promised, hey, we're going to get better and better at our presenting skills too. So uh, we have high hopes that it's going to continue to grow and people will see that there's value there. And um, you know, I don't like to offer anything if I don't think that it's a good value. To me, if somebody has to spend $50 three times a year to get a two-day event full of pre- presenters that are going to present their best information, plus all the goodies and the get-backs, and then they're supporting the people that they go see, to me, I think that that's a, a fair shake. As we move forward, supporting people who have information that you think is valuable is going to be key. We're not that far away from libraries becoming under stress. We've already passed the point where online information, you should have seen the things Fortune was pointing out to me, the things that have just completely been scrubbed from the internet. If you're familiar with how Archive worked, that was one of the few places where you could go do some old school things. That's all changed out now. So this is going to be an era where we're all kind of deciding what's going to exist and what's not going to exist. In an hour or two, we're going to talk about Rockfin, but we'll talk a little bit about what it takes. I'm going to basically come back and say, I told you so. I knew Rockfin wasn't this magical place that was going to be the only one in town that didn't get pressured into doing the things that nobody likes, like censorship and controls in one way or another. But to have your own website, it's most people just think getting a website is easy. It is harder every single day. And we'll talk about these things. So we're going to wrap up hour one, which is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full episode, which we will come back and record in a moment. And with that, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of no 